everything is as big as you make it in so many respects. But there are things that are unbelievable. But we've talked about so many of those people that have, have experienced unspeakable um, events in their lives that have found a way to rise above them. And it's a choice. One foot goes in front of the other, then the other, and then the other. And you just work your way out of it. You just keep moving forward. And, and you recognize everything that happened as exactly what it was. You're not whitewashing it. You're not covering it up. But it, as you said, it's fuel for the fire. Allow that to just put that fire in your belly to do more than you ever thought you could possibly do. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. I'm Nick LaPara, and I'm so, so, so glad that you're here. I've been sitting on this conversation for a couple of months now. It's been killing me to not share it with you sooner, but the wait is over. It's finally here. Today, you'll get to sit in on my conversation with my friend and figure skating legend, Scott Hamilton. This man truly needs no introduction, but at the same time, I realize that many of the Let's Give a Damn listeners are youngsters. Some of you were a decade or two away from being born by the time Scott won an Olympic gold medal. So because of that, here are a few key details you must know about Scott before I share my conversation with you. During his figure skating career, Scott won four consecutive US championships. He won four consecutive world championships. And in 1984, he won the Olympic gold medal. On top of being a figure skating legend, Scott is a very, very wise man. He once calculated that he had fallen 41,600 times while skating in his life. After he made that calculation, he said this, but here's the funny thing. I got up 41,600 times. That's the muscle you have to build in your psyche, the one that reminds you to just get up. And over the last couple decades, he has battled some pretty intense things. So he took that reminder to just get up outside of the skating rink and into all area of his life. Over the last couple of decades, he has conquered stage four testicular cancer and multiple brain tumors. Yes, you heard that right, brain tumors. There's so much more I could say and want to say about Scott, but it's time for me to shut up and it's time for you to hear from the man, the myth, the legend himself, Scott Hamilton. Let's do this. It is an enormous honor to have this conversation with you, Scott Hamilton. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. It's it's fun. I'm, I can't wait to get in, into it. This is wonderful. I'm, <laughs> what I'm, a great platform this is. You thank know? you. Thank yeah. you. We're we're doing what we can, yeah. and it's been fun. We're uh, we're finishing up 2018 with I think just under. So this this we're, we're recording this right before Christmas for everyone listening. It'll come out beginning of February, mm -hmm. and we'll explain why we want to kind of time. Well, that if you for... can't make money in figure skating in February, you're in the wrong business. Yes, I learned that a long time <laughs> there ago. There you go. There yeah. you go. That's good. But That's... I've never done a podcast with a four letter word in it before. So do this you, is kind of like you say four letter words, or do you avoid them? I avoid them because I have little kids. Yes. And so when you have little kids and you say things, then they say things. And if you want them to avoid doing things, you don't do them. So it's really the, the biggest cleanup of my act ever was the day I became a father. And it was like, okay, can't do that anymore. Can't do that anymore. Definitely can't do that anymore. So onward and upward. I understand that. <laughs> I have three kids. They're four, five, and six. Yeah. The, uh, it's funny you, you say that because we've had this conversation in our home because 
I mean, literally, this is not my full-time work, but one of the projects and one of the companies that I have is called Let's Give a Damn, and my kids know that. I mean, mm -hmm. and so um, it's interesting. We've already had a few times where they've said things that um, we've had to clarify. There are things, you know, having that conversation, <laughs> how do you communicate to a four-year-old yeah. yeah, 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 that yeah. there are things that adults can say that kids can't, and they're just like, what does that mean? Like, yeah. I don't understand that. That doesn't compute with me. And I learned how to be disciplined just in, you know, the pursuit of skating and everything else. I'll always say to my kids, it's like, have you ever seen me do that? Have you ever heard me say that? Have you ever? And they go, no, no. I go, then why would, why would that be a good thing? Why would, you know, saying bad words or why right. would, you know, and, or why would, um, you know, have you ever seen me take a drink? Uh, no. I go, no. Have you ever seen me like uh, smoke a cigar or, or a cigarette? No. Okay. What else? You know, it's like, yeah. you, know, you just, you know, I figured that, you know, whatever I did before, whatever my life was, you know, as an entertainer or whatever, um, you know, it's not that I did a lot of that stuff anyway, but sure. it's, it just turns into, you know, it's like, who do I want to be now? Reinventing yourself at, you know, is really fun. Yeah. And at times it's hard. You know, it's like I've changed my diet a lot over the years and giving up certain things is really hard, but yeah. it's healthy. And it's, mm -hmm. it's like, you just have to do things at times. You just have to say, okay, that's not me anymore. Next, you know, and there's seasons, you know, we can't be 20 forever. You know? Sure. <laughs> so I well, learned I, that. I didn't know it was going to turn into a therapy session right away, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm I know. Just it's like, no, I get I, philosophical. No, but I, I, I love, I, uh, you know, several of the things that you mentioned are things that I still enjoy. And the cool thing about what you're saying is I'm totally on board with that. And yet we're not committed to that as a family yeah. because we're, yeah, we're okay living in the nuance, but it is a lot easier. I will put it, I will say that to just cut those things out so that you can say, Hey, I'm trying to be a good example here. Have you seen me do those things? Yeah. That's a really powerful tool with kids that I don't have, right? <laughs> no, for, better or for, for better or for worse, no, 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 I don't have that. We, you know? it's, it's, we each have our individual right. journeys. So yeah, exactly. For me, it was like, all right, how can I do this when I don't have the skill set to do this? Sure. You know, they didn't send my oldest biological son home with a manual, so I had to kind of make it up as I'm going along. Scariest moment of your life, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say, okay, now it's yours. Yep. It's like, what? No, I like it here because you guys know you're what all you're taking doing. Care of, I push a button. You're yeah, here you taking care of me. But it's, it's an amazing thing just, you know, becoming a husband. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. That changes the rules of the game a little bit. Okay, now what's what's next? It's like, oh, becoming a parent. Okay, that totally changes everything. And it's it's wild because, you know, my parents were really good at a lot of things and really bad at a lot of things, like we all are, right? Mm -hmm. But it was what they instilled in me was the stuff I was able to draw on for a lot of the good things to happen. You mm -hmm. know, it's my dad was super disciplined when he's in pursuit of his PhD and mm. um, he got tenure. The first opportunity he had to get it, he got it, you know. So he had one job his whole life was teaching biology and earth science at Bowling Green State University. And my mom, school teacher, worked hard, you know, family, work, everything, community, everything that she did. And she volunteered and did, you know, it was like, wow, all those things that they gave to me, it was like, that's that's kind of the building blocks for that everything that allowed me to do what I did, which is now allowing me to do what I do now. Mm. So it's, it's all connected. That's great. Yeah. It's a beautiful journey. I love that. So let's follow the path that you were on there. 
Let's uh, begin with some of your story. Before we get into some of the stuff you're currently doing, and I want to talk a little bit about your book. I've been devouring it since Michelle sent it to me the other day. Oh, fun. Really, really, really great book. And we're going to Thank talk you. about a couple things that really, really stuck out to me. Uh, but first, story. So I, I think a lot of people probably, as we do with uh, influential people, celebrities, people that have fame and notoriety, we look at them and think, we assume a lot of people, everything went well for that person. They had life handed to them on a platter. Things went great for them. But the reality is people don't have to look very far. They don't have to Google you very far if they even do to look that that wasn't the case for you. You had enormous highs, but you also had very plummeting lows yeah. in your life. They're pretty equal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's sure. like, you know, the pendulum has to swing both ways. 100%. It doesn't just go one way and then stop, then go one way and That's stop. That's how pendulum works. No, no, it goes all the way. Yeah. You know, when it's really good, it's going to get really bad. And then it, hopefully it'll get really good again. And then be, you know, be prepared. It's going to get really bad or, or it's going to, better yet, it's going to be bad. And then it's going to get really good. And then if it gets bad, it's going to get really good again. So That's an interesting word pick, that, that picture that you just drew with mm -hmm. the pendulum. Do you think that people that have it have it worse off maybe or things horrible things happen to them do you think they have the opportunity to capitalize on that and i'm just going with where you went there with that picture yeah. versus somebody that might have might the pendulum's not swinging very much they were born into you know privilege and opportunity and maybe they don't capitalize on it because they don't see the opportunity there. You know, I, I had lunch with a friend of mine recently. And it's like, isn't it crazy that, you know, we get to have these full lives. And mm. full lives mean that you experience a great deal of things. And, and I'll tell people every day, it's like, with the day I was diagnosed with cancer, it was a really powerful day because it, you know, obviously you don't get that diagnosis very often, you hope, right? It's like, okay, every day. No, it it was, I sat down and I was like, holy cow. And the fear was extraordinary. I was just completely enveloped in this idea that I'm going to diminish and I'm going to be sick and I'm going to just, it was just a downward slide to death. And I thought that was what my life was going to be. And I don't know if it was five minutes, five, five seconds or nanosecond or what, but that fear flipped to a sense of, like it was like an awakening. It's like, mm. no, 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 no. I got work to do. Let's roll up your sleeves. Let's put your head down and just get to work and get back to your life. This doesn't, you know, whatever you were just told, yeah, it's not gonna be, you know, what it's not gonna be a, a vacation, but at the same time, you know, I, it's gonna be what I make it. You know, it'll be exactly what I make it. So there are a few, you know, rules to, you know, how I was going to go through cancer. Like you had to make me laugh if you want to come visit me in my hospital room, whatever. But on the other side, just what I'm saying is I've met so many cancer patients that have had that awakening and they now know what they're capable of, right? Sure. Flip side, you, you see it, hear it, read it every day. People that win the lottery and how it destroys their yep. lives. People that come across great fame and fortune mm -hmm. and how it destroys their mm -hmm. lives. And I honestly have come to this a really strong belief that we are wired much better for challenge than we are to good fortune. Much, much better. Agreed. Yeah, because good fortune wakens all the demons in our lives. Oh, yeah. And a, lot, a lot of tough stuff comes up out of that. But when but when we, when we our backs are up against the wall, we come out swinging, and it's like, that's powerful. I've had way more setbacks, you know, than I like, but at the same time, I've been trained to understand that for every one of those setbacks, for I'm I'm stronger now, I'm tougher now, I'm more resilient now than I've ever been, and in that is 
gratitude. You didn't experience that cancer thing once. Well, it I've was, had a bunch of stuff, right? But three times, right? From what I can Wait, gather. It, it's, um, I'm on my third brain tumor right now. Here's the deal. Once it becomes a devil, you know, and once you've survived mm, something, yeah, it's like sure. you, you get to the book, David and Goliath, right? The Malcolm Gladwell book. Yep. And he talks about Fantastic. how um, Hitler was bombing Britain and how he thought that he could just, you know, incite fear and they would just throw up the white flag and just surrender everything. What happened was more people survived than were killed. And every one of those survivors felt like, I did it again. I'm, I made it through another one. I'm emboldened. Mm. And with each bombing, he created more warriors and more people that were emboldened than he, he thought he was going to create fear. And he created the opposite. They were more, um, they, they dug into their trenches saying, no, we're going to fight this thing back. We survived. We're going to continue to survive. And it was like, wow, there's a lesson. There's a life lesson. The more you deal with stuff, the more you realize what you can deal with. And, and for me, it's just, you know, it was childhood illness. Ultimately, that put me into skating. Why is that? What do you what do you mean by that? Ultimately, if, if I was in hospitals mostly four years, mostly in, sometimes out, but um, just trying to figure out what's wrong with me, and um, you know, out of that, my parents just you know four years of sleeping in a chair in a corner of a room mm. is you know it's, it's tough beat you up, mm. and so basically to give my parents a morning off, I went and started skating at the local skating rink because for four hours we were supervised and given a lot of stuff to do and it could give them a morning off and I was doing something fun. And in that, you know, I realized that I, I actually could do something as well as well kids. And then I realized I could do something as well as the best athletes in my grade. And it was like my first taste of self-esteem. How long did it take for you to realize that from like giving your parents a day off, going to skate? It's fun. I've skated before. I am not good, right? So when did you really feel like, oh, I can do this beyond even the other kids that don't have these uh, setbacks that I do? How long did it take to get there? And then how long did it take to, for you to think, there's something here. Like, I'm really good at this. Like, I can do this. I knew that I could do it and I liked it. But, you know, I would do really well regionally. <laughs> sectionally, not really very well. And then when I started making it to the national level, um, I was an epic fail, you mm. know? So, you know, there's that carrot, you know, that keeps you moving forward, the promise of better, the promise of another opportunity, the promise of, you know, just increasing your identity as, you know, an athlete in whatever sport you're in. Mm. And you hope for that day when it kicks in and everything is going your way, but there was never that promise for me until I lost my mom. Then I decided to wake up again. You know, all those awakenings, it's like, is this the person that I really want to be the one that my mom saw us come in dead last at nationals in her life, the last time she saw me skate? Or do I honor her differently by just showing up every day with a really big intention of being better than I was before? Instead of just showing up, being showing up with a little bit of fire in my belly, you know, a little bit of passion to no, I, I want to be. I want to be better. I want to be good. I want to be competitive. I want to win. And, and you know, in that whole idea of, of really pursuing something with the idea of winning, it just flips your life mm. into something else. It just becomes something else. Because who I was as a last place novice men's skater and who eventually, you know, learned to, you know, how to compete at a, at a high level and, and things just, you know, my life now is a product of all of that. 
You know, it's just, you learn how to rise up and you learn how to do whatever it takes. You know, when the first brain tumor came around, it, it, our mantra was, it is what it is and whatever it takes. It is what it is and whatever it takes. Wow. And, you know, it's like, powerful. so it, it just became, you know, kind of our thing. I remember when we were in the throes of not knowing what the brain tumor was, we did the PET scan. It showed that it was aggressive. There was a lot of fear, a lot of prayer, a lot of things. And I was watching SportsCenter. They had uh, the defensive player from the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Oh, the one that was that went through all that stuff where he's charged for murder and all that. Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis. Ray Le- I, I, I don't know anything about football, but Ray Lewis is yeah. on my tongue. I was like, is that a is he a boxer? Is he a no Ray Lewis? Ray Lewis, because I have chemo brain and I've had radiation. So every now and then words. I have and no sports names brain. Escaping, so. Right? so so Ray Lewis was they they were interviewing him on Sports Center. Terrell Owens came out and did his, you know, pregame dance that Ray Lewis always does. And Terrell Owens was mocking him. And Terrell Owens was just, you know, trying to get all the attention for himself. And they go, did that make you just want to take him out? Did that, you know, that really get into your skin? He goes, no, 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 no. I love T.O. I I pray for T.O. I, I think he's, you know, he's, whatever he did, he, you know, he's just doing that to have fun. And he goes, T.O., he, he can't get to me because... I know where I've been. I know what I've been through. And my ears just perked up. And I was listening. He goes, let me tell you something. And this is something that T.O. is going to have to learn. As deep as I have dug down low, that's as high as I'm going to go. And Mm. it just was like, bam. I mean, my whole psyche just exploded. And it was like, that's it. As deep as I have dug down low, that's as high as I'm going to go. Meaning that I decide, I, I do this. This is something that it's my responsibility to find a way to get out from whatever is my circumstance and make a better life for myself. And I'll never forget it. In fact, a friend of mine is a television producer for uh, Fox. Uh, does all the you know back in the day, and sure. he was he told Ray Lewis. Um, he said, you know, I just want to show my friend is going through this thing and he, and he just was really touched by what you said. And he goes, give me his number. I never heard from him, but it's like, but that's a cool story, but it's a cool story, but it's like, it's, it's like, you don't know what you put out there. You don't know how it's going to touch somebody. And so it's great. You got to put good stuff out there. You really do. I love that. You touched on quite a few things there and I could spend all day talking about that stuff because I'm very interested in, I don't give yes or no answers. No, I love it. I, I, well, I'm, I'm grateful. As somebody wants to have edit. conversations on a podcast, I'm glad for that. I've had a few people yeah, yeah, yeah. that they're, you know, great story, great work, but they're not conversation people mm. and they're not usually the talkers, but I really wanted to get their story. And it was a ton of really short. <laughs> but let's talk about, so your book, which I'm almost done devouring, Finish First, Winning Changes Everything, mm-hmm. right near the beginning, like right right out of the gate, after a wonderful forward by Don Miller, by the way, that was that was really great. But right at the beginning of the book, uh, you, you write this, I was not born a winner and neither were you. That might sound like a harsh thing to say, but it is actually the kindest, most important gift I can give you. Winning is not about getting an award or a medal or making a certain amount of money. Winning is about accessing all of your innate human potential. You cannot be born a winner, but you can become one. But a tragedy that most of us don't. I mean, first of all, what a way to open a book. But talk about a little more about what you believe in terms of like, uh, we're going to talk in a minute about slaying dragons, which was also like later on in the book, you talk about slaying dragons. But yeah, winning, becoming a winner, talk about that because I, I don't know that people actually a lot of people, a lot of people that I know probably don't believe that it is 
something that we can actually make happen. Like you just said, you alluded to it multiple times. I have control over this. I can make this happen. I just need to go out and get it. I need to go out and do it. And then you end it with a very sobering, what a tragedy that most people don't Mm -hmm. become that winner. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah, I listen to uh, a radio station where it's just sermons all day because I just, I can't get enough. I just want to know, know more, know more, dive into my faith. And I I just like to learn from different perspectives, Mm. different leaders, different, you know, it, it really is amazing, you know, that we live in this time when there's seven point whatever billion people on the planet. Well, they go back and they kind of did the math. They figured there's a hundred billion people that have ever been born to this planet. hundred billion people. No two are the same, right? Mm. So no two are the same, meaning that all of us, if we just take a step back and we want to do a broad generalization is we all have a different, purpose, a different skill set, a different description, a different approach, a Mm. different, we all, you know, we're all unique. So what is it about us that we can make special? What is it about the talents and abilities and what we're drawn to and what what comes easy to us? And, you know, what doesn't come easy to us, but that we like, what is it that we can offer this world and offer our experience because you know last i checked nobody really gets out of this alive <laughs> you know we yeah. just we have a beginning 100 mortality rate you know, it's a number a dash and a number yeah. right so what's in the dash right so i know it's cliche but it's like what's in the dash and it, it just turns into this where i see so much of this i don't want you to fail i don't want any bad things to happen to you so we're gonna make sure that no matter in every single situation it's good it's good it's all good. And, you know, when I do a talk, I say, how many people in this room like participation trophies? Not one hand goes up. I go, then why do we have them? Mm. Why is the United States not as competitive as they used to be in world global Olympic figure skating? It's because we've lowered the bar. We've forgotten how to mm. incite that fire in our belly to like, I got to make it to the next level and I can't make it to the next level unless I work. Well, how about this? Why don't we just let you go to the next level? Wow, really? I get to go to the nationals? Yeah, just go. It, it, you know, more people can go to the nationals, more the, the better. Merrier. So now you, you get there and you don't know. Sure. Like it wasn't the same level of sacrifice. It wasn't the same level of commitment to be able to rise up to that kind of that rarefied air. And without that incentive, without that um, that sense of, you know, I, I've got to just dig down and get to work. We don't live our lives fully. I believe that. So for a lot of, you know, it's like, I, I tell a story too about this. When I was in Korea for the Olympics, um, I got to be really good friends with the venue manager, just a great guy, really super guy, you know, young. And um, we just had great talks and he was just a really good man. Anyway, the, his his first assistant um, was this girl named Sue. And she's like, them together, they realize that the, you know, for them, and from their point of view, not mine, the Korean culture in Korea has been turned into more of this obedience culture. It's like, just do it as you're told. Do as I want you to, and you'll be fine. Just do as you're told. So a lot of, a lot of young people have just given up hope. So he goes, please give um, a finished first talk to my staff. And so I did. The end of the talk, a little girl comes up to me. She's probably in a high school, maybe early college age. And she goes, I don't understand what you mean about purpose. And I go, we all have a purpose. We do. We really do. And she goes, I'm not good at anything. I go, we, you're not good at anything? 
She goes, no. And I, I realized, how many times has she heard that in her life? And so I, I just said, well, let's just break it down. What do you like to do? And she goes, I like to read. I go, oh, you like to read. What were the last two books you read? Just from my own point of view. And she said, uh, Jane Eyre and Withering Heights. I go, oh, you like the classics. She goes, and then she got a little smile across her face. She goes, I do. And I go, maybe you're an author. And her eyes just did that little pop thing of recognition. It's like, and then she just sort of, like I could tell that her mind just was racing. And it was like, is that really the first time anyone's given you permission to dream? It's a tragic, beautiful moment right there. But how many people do we know yep. that have lived that? I'm not good at anything. I've failed at everything. I, I'm not, my parents don't think I'm good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not handsome enough. I'm not athletic enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. And it shatters my heart because now we just want to just through, I don't know, just a sense of sparing feelings. We just say, okay, no, 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 don't hurt. Here, take this. This does it feel better now. And it's wrong because the world is, is a really competitive place. And if we remove competition, now what, what do we have? People aren't prepared. They, they want now to be everyone to take care of them. And that allows for other bad things to happen. Like people come in and say, vote for me, I'll take care of you. Yeah. You don't need to worry about anything mm -hmm. because it all should be free anyway. And it's mm -hmm. like, maybe no, it shouldn't be because we're never gonna truly appreciate something unless we do it ourselves. And if we rob from our culture doing it ourselves, then we're all miserable. Everyone's miserable. And no one ever has that sense of accomplishment and to feel like they've done something. There's no greater feeling, and you can disagree with me if you like, but do you remember what you felt like the first time you stepped into your living quarters that you paid for yourself? What a feeling that yeah, was. Yeah, I actually do. Wasn't that powerful? It, it was. It was wild, actually. Yeah. Because we we rented this apartment without even seeing it beforehand. Mm -hmm. We moved to Minnesota, and it was wild just walking in and being like, "Whoa, this is ours." This is. We got I married two, I two did weeks this. ago. Yeah. I did. We yep. did this. Mm -hmm. We did this. Mm -hmm. And to own that moment, mm -hmm. all your moments should be like that, in some way, shape, or form. You're breaking ground. You're moving ahead. You're trying new things. You're growing. You're learning. You're, and and it's amazing that when you get hungry. For life, it, it's just amazing how healthy that is and how nourishing that is to your, your soul, your spirit, your, your mind, your um, mentalities, your emotion. Everything is alive when you're actually in pursuit of something and you're willing to do whatever it takes to get it. What's beautiful about that moment that you described uh, in Korea was that how long did that take you? Um, 30 seconds. 30 seconds. You may very well have changed this girl's life right? You'll never know, maybe. I'll never know, but, but it was but powerful for me. It was, it was powerful just for like, you. Wow. Powerful for, and that's something that I'm always talking about. I'm pulling that out of different conversations we have on this podcast because people that give a damn about X, Y, or Z, people that see something wrong in the world and say, I want to do something about that. So many get scared and they, some of them turn that faucet off or that, that desire off because it seems like it's going to be a lot of work. And, it's, and they, it seems <laughs> yeah, like it, it is. seems it seems <laughs> but it's not work if you like not, what you're doing it's not work. But you know, someone that does give a damn, it is going to there are going to be hard things in life. But then there's so many of those wins right there if we just open ourselves up oh, yeah. to be available. And those little wins 
the point I'm getting at is those little things fuel the bigger things. Yeah. Because the more you experience those little wins, it's the foundation. Seconds, for it builds else. the foundation. Then later on, you're like, oh, I can do this. This is yeah. nothing, right? Yeah. It's part of that winning. So don't start, maybe, you know, maybe don't start with the huge thing. Start with encouraging the random person that shows up that says, I, I'm not good at anything. That took you 30 seconds. Maybe she'll be some amazing author someday and you'll recognize her later <laughs> on. Who knows? I hope so. But that's really, that's really beautiful. Slaying dragons. Mm -hmm. That part really stuck out to me because A, we all love a good slaying dragon story, right? Mm -hmm. All throughout history. I actually, one of my tattoos is- Oh, um, I see it, yeah. It's a picture. So the, the, the phrase on here is kill the dragon, get the girl. Yeah. The idea is, even if you're not somebody who has faith, even if you have no faith at all, we know this concept, right? Good wins mm -hmm. in the end. There's evil. There are mm -hmm. bad things that are mm -hmm. happening, but good wins in every story. Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. There's struggle. You know, there's always trials and tribulations along the way, but good wins in the end. And um, so kill the dragon, get the girl is that idea. So I loved that slaying dragons part. But it's so easy for people to blame where they are in life or where they aren't in life on things that have happened uh, to them. Mm -hmm. And it actually starts with that phrasing, something happened to me, mm -hmm. which in a lot of cases it did. It's something that was out of their control. Of course, but it's yeah. that mindset where it's like, this happened Nobody's to me. Nobody's bulletproof. Nobody's bulletproof. And so uh, a lot of people are going to listen to this, this talk about winning and it's going to rub them the wrong way, I think. That's be fine. Because, and it is fine. Because, you know, they're not winning mm -hmm. and they're watching four hours of Netflix every night and they're working a minimum wage job and they quit this, that, and the other, and now they don't know where they're going, and they're, they're eyeballs high in debt, and so on and so forth, right? They're blaming everything on, I was raped as a child, I had a, a severe sickness over and over again, my mom died, my dad died, my dad beat me, whatever, my house burned down, I was an orphan, whatever. Like, there's, there's always something that pretty much everybody can point back to to say, like, we can blame it on that if we want to. Talk about slaying drags. I think this is a very important part of the journey toward becoming a winner. You know, again, you everything is, is that victim mentality. Is It's like, it, but I can't because. There's all these things that weaken us, that rob us of our strength and, and don't allow us to move forward. And I, way too many examples, you know. To, um, I met a, a kid and I'll never forget it. Um, I used to be a part of this blue ribbon panel for Discover Card where they give juniors in high school um, scholarships hmm. to college, but the criteria was, you know, not so much about grade point average, but you had to be a good student. You had to be involved in your community. You had to do, um, you know, things outside of, you know, extracurriculars, whatever. And you had to overcome an obstacle. What's, what's your obstacle overcome? And this young man, um, who I'll never forget, his name was Joel. He was um, severely burned as a child. The only part of his body that didn't burn was because he had a wet diaper. He didn't oh, have wow. a nose. He didn't have ears. He didn't have fingers. He was, um, he'd gone through countless operations and he was president of his junior class because he was easily the most popular kid in his school. He wanted on a mission trip to help build a house, but he didn't have fingers. How's he going to hammer nails? And he figured it out. You know, it's, it's people like that who have every reason to quit that becomes something else. You I talk guess, about Kyle Menard in your book. Oh, Kyle Menard. So it's like amputee that unbelievable. Climbed he climbed Mount Kilimanjaro <laughs> without arms or legs. What's my excuse? 100%. How about Oprah Winfrey? My goodness, her life was, yep. I mean, it's like you hear that so many times. Molested, gave birth at 14, lost her infant yep. um, child to uh, death. And it was just like, 
the whole recipe for disaster, mm -hmm. but she looked past it mm -hmm. and she was able to work through it. I meet people all the time that just get pummeled, knocked down, that like totally get me excited about, like inspired because they've, they've risen above their condition by just working it out. It's like, yeah, I'm doing this and I'm really not happy with what I'm doing, but I've always had my sights on that. Well, how about the guy that rents out the storage area? Every day from, you know, he rents out a storage area where he keeps his drums. He lives in Nashville. This guy, I love this guy. He wants to be a, a musician in the most competitive musician market in the, in the world. And he's a drummer. So he works a nine to five job from six to 10. He's in a storage area banging on his drums every day. On the weekends, he'll take some time for his friends and his social life. But he works a nine to five job. And then after that, he does yep. this whole thing where he want, he's pursuing his dream and he's allowing the time to do it. All my kids, it's, you know, it's like they're so sick and tired of me doing this, but it's so funny. My, my son came home with a poster he made at school with this quote on it, even though he rolls his eyes every single time I ask him. I go, what's the greatest strength? And he goes, ugh, dad, a lack of weakness. I go, right, find out where you're weak and get strong. Mm. Find out what's holding you back and eliminate it. We can do this. Like I have everything wrong. I had everything against. I had no chance. I, you know, and all those things. And it's basically the reason I, I put this book forward is because I'm so unlikely. And so if I can do this, anyone can do this. This is not like, you know, anything more than I had to figure it out. And I lost and lost and failed and failed. And I fell down minimum 41,600 times in my <laughs> skating life. So you get up 41,600 times and now falling doesn't really have the same identity as it did before. You know, you get up, okay, I fell down, I get up again. Okay, who cares? I fall down again, I'll try again, I'll get up. I'll get up. Okay, I'll get up again. Okay, I'll get up again. Oh, I have cancer? Okay, time to get up. Yeah. Okay, I've been fired from this job? Okay, <laughs> time to get up. All right, I failed at this relationship? Okay, time to get up. And you do that enough times and you become resilient. And all of a sudden, you're not calloused, but you're more experienced in that idea that I really can't be defeated anymore. Nothing can really knock me down. Mm -hmm. If you had something to be like, who would it be? Not many people are going to say me. <laughs> you know, short, bald, you know, half neutered, chemo, radiated, surgery repaired, all that stuff. You know, um, figure skater. <laughs> yeah, it's not every guy's dream is to be, you know, <laughs> in front of a couple billion people in spandex. But, you know, the thing is, is you make the most of what you, who you are, not what you have, who you are. You make the most of what you got, you know? Yeah. And you're in a roundabout way, you're making a strong case for, you know, I think there's a lot of people we could literally read off names from the Kyle Menards to the Rosa Parks and the MLKs and the, the people that had hardships, right? Whether it was in our country, the wrong color skin, right? If you're black, you're oppressed. If you're LGBTQ, you're oppressed. Like everybody can has, not everybody, but a lot of people have this thing. But I think the difference is some people stay the victim and some people see themselves Oprah Winfrey, like using that as fuel. So what would you say to, you know, somebody listening right now, 16 years old, kid from the Midwest, has two parents, stable income, nothing bad has ever happened to them, right? So they don't have... They haven't built up and their parents maybe haven't done a good job at putting them in situations where they are challenged. What would you say to that kid that is thinking, I don't have 
that gumption or whatever you want to call it, because nothing bad has ever happened to me. I have everything. I don't want anything. I think it says in the book that if, if, if nothing really matters in life, you're going to live a life that doesn't matter. You know, you know, if you're asleep and you're happy to be asleep, you know, that there's nothing I can do to change that. There's no words. There's no sage advice. There's nothing. It's just someday you're going to wake up and you're going to, you're going to realize that there's, I mean, I may, I may have missed something here. So it's, how do you want to live your life? How do you see yourself? How do you in 20 years want to look back on that, that 20 years and say, wow, you know, this, it really, it really meant something. Things mean things. Life is an opportunity. It, you know, and, and there's so much that, again, going back to, you know, my, my daily list of sermons, one of my, um, uh, favorites is Joyce Meyer and she just cuts the quick yeah right to it, it's right where it goes mm. drive by a junkyard sometime just drive by a junkyard look over the fence and realize that every single thing in that junkyard is something that someone would have sold their soul to own and I look back on that and it's like every single thing I own will one day be in a junkyard yeah what's the point what's the point so the point is how do we get involved in other people's lives how do we um, make our community stronger? How do we inspire people to kind of rise up above their afflictions or their insecurities or their past failures to rise up? And you just encourage, you know, you know, I, I'll joke in some of my speeches that I'm just an encourager. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to encourage you because wherever you are right now, you don't have to stay there if you're unhappy. You know, wherever you are right now, if you're happy, just keep going, keep looking up, keep going higher and higher and higher, you know, because it's, there, there is a lot in this life. And I know I'm going to get knocked down again. I know there's going to be something that's going to face me in this life because it's the nature of it that's going to absolutely pull my legs out from under me. I just had lunch with a, a, a guy I deeply respect who um, lost his uh, adult son to a car accident. Mm. And the morning is beyond description. Mm. But he's finding ways of of connecting people that have suffered the same devastation he is of burying a child. And he's encouraging them to talk about it, to write about it, to recognize it, to not bury it, but to, you know, to keep them alive in your hearts and your minds and, and to, you know, try to do whatever you can to rise above your grief, to be, you know, that hero that your child always thought you were right? So there's, there's a million ways um, of getting defeated in this world, a million. Um, there's a handful of ways to get out of it <laughs> in the way I look at it. Yeah, so true. <laughs> you know, nothing replaces work. And some people will hear that as discouraging and some people will hear that as encouraging. Well, yeah. Depending I mean, it's, on it's how a, you want to look at it. Somebody said something the other day. Um, I was joking. You know how people always say good morning and they don't really mean it. They just right. say good they morning. They brush past you. Yeah. So I was I was in a store or something and somebody goes, good morning. And I go, it's a choice. <laughs> they stopped in their tracks. And they go, it is. And I go, 100%. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> you know, it's like... It's a choice. Yeah. How we feel, how we act, how we react, how we, how we interact with others is a choice. Um, I tell people, especially those that live with cancer, I go, you know that you've truly survived cancer when you get mad in traffic. <laughs> You're back to sweating the small stuff. And it's like, you know, the stuff that knocks us down. It's whether, you know, something doesn't happen the way we wanted it to. And even though it's completely, you know, like I, I, we're... 
um, remodeling his house. Mm -hmm. uh, the color on the, on the wall is wrong. That's, is it a horrible, terrible, nasty, awful thing, or do we just repaint it? We, we could just repaint it. It's like not a big deal. Everything is as big as you make it in so many respects. But there are things that are unbelievable. But we've talked about so many of those people that have, have experienced unspeakable um, events in their lives that have found a way to rise above them. And it's a choice. One foot goes in front of the other, then the other, and then the other. And you just work your way out of it. You just keep moving forward. And, and you recognize everything that happened as, it, it, yeah, it, it, exactly what it was. You're not whitewashing it. You're not covering it up. But it, as you said, it's fuel for the fire. Allow that to just put that fire in your belly to do more than you ever thought you could possibly do. In your Twitter bio, one of the ways you describe yourself is eternal optimist. Yeah. How do you practically do that in a world that there's so much going on and going wrong? Um, you know, especially if you're if if you spend a lot of time on social media, it's very easy to see, you know, skip right over the good and go right for the bad and the ugly of humanity, you know? And you know, when you, if you start thinking about this is a real statistic. One child dies every five seconds from starvation. Uh, you can go on and on. Water, food, malnutrition, sickness, AIDS. You know, like all these things are happening right now around us. We can't see them or hear them because we're here, but they're happening. Teach us, teach me. How do we stay optimistic and not get overwhelmed by that and stay focused on what we can do? Right. There's a couple that has a nonprofit in Haiti. And uh, we have two Haitian children now, you know, which was kind of a great, wild, insane adventure. But how do you, when there's so much need and you're there, what do you do? It, it is simple, right? We, we know way too much. We have this little device in our hand that's 5.7 inches long and about two and a half inches wide. And it's called a cellular phone device where the whole world can come into that in, in a matter of milliseconds, right? We know a lot right? We know a lot of things that we're powerless to do anything about. But how about this as a starting point? What if you just love the person that's standing directly in front of you? Constantly. That's your pursuit, is what I can do in this helpless world that where there's so much need, is all I can do right now, this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, all day, every day, is love the person standing directly in front of me. That's a game changer. Because if even if that person maybe not doesn't deserve your love and you give it to them anyway, that's where eternal optimism comes from. It's like, I'm going to love the person in front of me. I'm going to respect the person I'm talking to, whether or not I agree with them. And, you know, it's like because of the 24-hour news cycle and because of social media and because of all these things, people are absolutely up in arms about politics and about this and about that. And it's like, Tap the brakes here. There's an election in a couple of years. Do the math. How many days? What's There's checks and balances. Everything is going to be okay. We just need to do our part and actually participate in our democracy. Okay, that's just in the political side. Sure, right. As far as you know, the divisive 24-hour news cycle, turn it off. Binge watch on Netflix, whatever. I mean, it's like... I gave up on all that. It's, you know, part of the book, I think it's chapter nine, you know, is um, edit your critics. 
you know, and critics don't have to. And we let so many people and places and things into the into that critic circle, don't we? Right, and you know, I do. I know. I that. just break it down. Is it fact or opinion? Okay, if it's opinion, delete it. What do you care? Ultimately, if someone comes up to me and says you're ugly, it's like okay, well, that's your opinion. I happen to think, you know, that I am who I am. I'm who God made me to be. I'm going to celebrate that every single day. And um, you're good with your opinion. Yeah. Delete. I'm not going to carry that around, Mm -mm. right? If someone comes up to me and says, um, you need to be on time, I go, okay, is that fact or is it opinion? Let's say it's fact. Thank you. I I now have something to work with. Sure. (laughs) What a gift. So we don't always have to look at our critics as criticism is a negative word, you know, it's, but it's, it comes down to sometimes it's, it's meant to educate us and to make us better. You know, um, you know, iron sharpens iron, you Mm -hmm. know, it's, it's like, okay, I got to be strong enough to take that criticism and, and apply it. I had a judge one time tell me when I was really working hard and I was just coming out of my loser days. And, um, they just said, it's great that you're doing better, but you know, she said this to my coach, but you know, he's really not tall enough to be competitive internationally. And it was like, whoa, that's a respected international judge. Okay, is that fact or opinion? Who was the last guy to win an Olympic gold medal from the United States before me? Oh, that would be David Jenkins, who's my height. <laughs> it's like And that's a fact. And that's a fact. Yeah. So now I can separate fact from opinion. We can't be smothered under all this negativity and toxicity and everything else. It's like, you know, I have a big thing on eights. I love eights. My number is eight. I was born eight twenty eight fifty eight. Okay. It's all eights with me. Eights. I did figure eights growing up. I have a book called the great eight. It's all eights. <laughs> everything about me is eights. And I was in line one day at the grocery store and a woman was in line in front of me buying some groceries and her head was covered in a bandana because she was obviously going through chemotherapy. Mm. And um, she pulled out her credit card, and I go, allow me. And she goes, no, 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 no. I go, been there, done that. Allow me. And she said, thank you so much. I paid for my groceries, and the final tally on the um, grocery bill was $88.88. Mm-hmm. You just do stuff. Mm-hmm. You just do stuff. Mm-hmm. Be kind to people. Mm-hmm. Love the person directly in front of you. Things are probably going to be okay. Fantastic. As we begin to wrap up, that was that was really great. I've got. I, I, we could talk all day. We'll do it another time. Let's talk very practically about one of the ways that you um, give a damn in the world. We could talk for. I mean, if someone that doesn't have to look far again to see all the ways that you've cared for and loved and served people throughout the years. One of the ways is the Scott Hamilton Cares Foundation. Mm. Talk about that for a minute, just so people can get get an idea of what it is, what is the work you all do, and how it affects the world. Well, if it's fueled by something, right? You just don't come out and go, oh, by the way, I'm going to try to take on something like cancer, yeah. you know, it's the number one cause of death yeah. in our country. Um, I was 18 years old when I lost my mother to cancer, and she was the center of my universe. And I realized um, they're throwing everything they can at her with chemotherapy and surgeries and it was just hard to watch her you know, go through all that stuff. And so the day I lost her, um, again, I was 18, bad situation. I just lost a big competition. The last one she ever saw me skate in. And all the sacrifices she made, you know, it was a lot of guilt that I carried with me on that. And I was like, I got to 
find a way to honor her. So I just said, I'm going to raise money for cancer research. So I did that. I became a fundraiser. And so I do these ice shows and we'd raise money for research and we did a lot of them and it was really fun and everybody come together for a cause that they believed in. And then two months shy of losing her, two months shy of 20 years after losing her, mm -hmm. I'm diagnosed with cancer. And now I, I understand what it means to go through cancer. I decided that now, knowing what's missing in the cancer community, I need to be less a fundraiser and more of an activist. And so I, I started filling in the blanks in the cancer community through information with chemocare.com um, and radcare.org. And um, that's chemocare.com is everything you need about chemotherapy and eighth grade English and Spanish. You know, it's an unbelievable website. Hmm. Um, and then uh, radcare.org is to teach people what radiation is about. So they, they go in with knowledge, you know, and not just... Doctors right. saying by the it's you know. anyway, so that was missing in my cancer journey. I, I was scared out of my mind because I was flying blind. So, okay, those are doing the, the information side. I wanted to quit after round three. I needed, I, I didn't know why. And now I realize it was the cancer trying to make me quit. So, I created a mentorship program where I put newly diagnosed patients with survivors. And it's a fourth angel mentoring program. It's in Cleveland at the Cleveland Clinic. They're managing it spectacularly. Over a thousand mentors now in all 50 states in Europe. And it's just gigantic about now you get a role model and a life coach, not medical information, you know, at all. It's, it's more about how did you do this? And it's like, I'm here now all these years later. And here's what I did. And here's what I learned. And here's where the, the trap doors are. And so that's growing. And, and now, the more I know about research and the more I know about um, the science of cancer where they're creating pathways where your own immune system can destroy the cancer. And it's not naive. It's simplistic to say our bodies created the cancer. Why can't we teach our bodies how to destroy it? Right? Wow, yeah. I mean, it's, it mm -hmm. seems simplistic, mm -hmm. but it's kind of like our bodies created it. Mm -hmm. Why can't our bodies destroy? Because mm -hmm. right now, as, as you and I are talking, as people are listening, our bodies are recognizing mutant cells and destroying them and discarding them. But cancer tricks our body. It's amazing how it does that. So immunotherapy is real. It, you know, with CAR-T therapy that's, that sailed through FDA approval last year, it, it really is unleashing your immune system to destroy the cancer. It's amazing. But there needs to be different modalities of that for each cancer cell type. And it's a steep climb because back when Nixon declared war on cancer, the money pushed the science. The money created the science. Now with mapping the genome and everything we know about the, sure. the human body, the science is a light year away from the funding. And you need to be strategic on how you do that. And so with, the, you know, with our CARES Foundation, all we care about is immunotherapy, targeted therapies, which really go after the cancer and leave the rest of the body alone. And really for people to understand what proton therapy is if they need radiation, because proton therapy is a way different animal than um, X-ray photon passed through traditional radiation. So it came out of losing my mom and it came out of surviving cancer and really knowing that we can do better. Do you know what George Washington died of? He was very sick. They bled him the to death. The bloodletting. Yeah, 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 right. That was the best they could do back then. <laughs> he didn't die of the disease. He no. died of the treatment. Mm -hmm. And so many people today with chemotherapy, their bodies just break down after a while. And, you know, if it's not working, the way I look at it, there's six different modalities uh, for treating cancer. 
Um, I'll try to name them right now. Hopefully Let's I do it. Okay, chemotherapy, radiation, proton therapy, targeted therapies, natural methods, and diet. Okay, those mm. are the six ways, right? You nailed it. All right. So the seventh is confirmation. So I don't talk about seventh opinion or second opinions. I talk about seventh opinions. Understand what's going on with you and know every opportunity that you have to, to rid your body of this, this insidious disease. And so, you know, it may sound um, like, what am I smoking that I think that, you know, I can actually pull this off? Whatever the recipe is, um, the Lord has given me the opportunity to survive a childhood illness, to um, learn how to compete, to build a professional career, to grow an, um, a listening audience, and to um, participate in the community in a way of giving back that's fueled by all of that stuff. Mm. And so I, I put really, really smart, dedicated people around me. I'm the dumbest guy in the room, easily, and gratefully. It's a good place to be. <laughs> yeah. It's always make sure you're the dumbest guy yeah. in the room. And, you know, um, we work in hope that we can it's make beautiful. a difference. And Danny Thomas, you know, said it best. He said, if you can create a treatment that saves one child, do the math. That's great. No one ever has to die of that disease again. Right? So it's a dream and it's a wish and it's a aspiration. But at the same time, nothing happens until we get off the couch. Nothing happens until we roll up our sleeves and do the work. I'm a volunteer for CARES. I'm too dumb to do it. I never take a penny out of the mission ever. Um, same with the skating academy I created with the Nashville Predators. A lot of people are making money. I'm not because it's the right thing to do. Skating gave me everything. I'm going to do whatever I can to build skating back to where it was when I was competing and when I was when I was touring as a professional. And um allow people to understand the love and the, and the joy and the beauty of, of skating, you know, and just, I got to do my part. You know, I, wherever I've been given life, I want to give back. And, um, it's easy to give a damn if I can say a four letter word, hopefully my kids won't hear this cause you know, right. Mm -hmm. Um, because I've been put in a position where I have a chance of being successful. Mm -hmm. So I'll go for it. I love it. That's really, really great. As we wrap up, we talked about human expiration date. All of us have that 100% mortality rate for all humans of all time. Hopefully yours is a ways out. But in a hypothetical situation, when you when you die, hypothetically, I've been asked to give your eulogy. So family, friends, the people at the foundation, the, the skating rink, all the everybody. It's a huge room because of the, the ways you've served and loved the world over the last decades. This is a very full room. And again, for some reason, I've been asked to give you a eulogy. <laughs> uh, what, what am I saying? You know, it's the, the best I've ever heard, it's a, on a tombstone, right, um, was uh, Rodney Crowell. Rodney Crowell is a songwriter and a okay. country, uh, artist. He's amazing, smart guy, very uh, gifted with wordsmithing. And he said, all I really want on my tombstone is my name, the dates that I lived, and underneath it, it said, he meant well. <laughs> That's it. And you know, it's like we can we can talk for hours and hours and it's just sure. wind. You yeah. know, I just wish well on everyone. I try to do my part to to be kind, to to love the person in front of me, to be accessible, to um use whatever I've been given to use that properly to make it better. 
for the next person and the next person, the next person. When I turned professional uh, for my, my amateur career, there was no opportunities for me. When I joined Ice Capades, they kind of handed me a contract holding their nose because they never had a male figure skater star before. Mm -hmm. And they basically said, it's a good thing you won the Olympic gold medal because you're too short to be in the chorus line. And it was like, I have to make this. Yeah. I, I have to build the audience. I have to um, show my worth. I have to be at a high level. I can't phone this in. I've got I've to do everything I possibly can. And at the end of two years, they were going through a sale. And sure enough, the new owner only wanted women. He wasn't invested in me at all. And that setback allowed me to build Stars on Ice, which still exists to this day. You know, so with every slam of the door, a window opens. With every knockdown, it's just a, a course correction. You know, all those things, there's lots of ways of looking at it. But at the end of the day, for anybody listening out here that's given up, just you can't give up. Yeah. You know, as long as there's breath in your lungs, keep going. There's an opportunity to make a difference. I was showing that video to my son who just started playing hockey, which may have not been a good choice, but I showed him because I, I knew I knew them as a family. It was um uh, Travis Roy. Um, he wrote a book called 11 Seconds. His dream as a, a young hockey player was to play for Boston College. And he got a scholarship and he played for Boston College. And in his first shift, 11 seconds in, he um, was hit into the wall and um, he became a quadriplegic. Mm. Right? So you think, yeah, right now I can see tragedy on your face. Right? He graduated on time. Mm. He graduated on time. He didn't allow his condition to change, you know, his, this is my life. I can't change what my life is as far as this part of it, but I can change every other aspect of it. And he's extraordinary. He's extraordinary. And I look at that and I go, no matter what happens in our lives, no matter what, we can find ways of rising above it. You know, sometimes we get exhausted, tired, beat up, chewed up, spit out, whatever it is. But there's that, that little like you find a little, just a little glimpse of light. And that's where you head. Head to the light. Because it'll never let you down. Dear friends, thank you so much for listening in. I know Scott's story has encouraged and challenged you. If not, check your pulse. Because you're probably dead. I've been issuing a challenge to you each week after the last few episodes, and something that you can tangibly do or work on after listening to the conversations that we have. So here's my challenge to you this week. During our chat, Scott talked about the useless nature of participation trophies. Are you living life as though you're just gonna get a participation trophy, or are you striving for the gold, the gold medal? Make a slight change or two in your life this week that will help you aim for the gold. I know that sounds cheesy and cliche, but it's true and life is too short and too meaningful to aim for a participation trophy. A, I just showed up and made it by trophy. Before I go any further in wrapping up this podcast, I have an apology to issue. During our chat, we briefly talked about Kyle Maynard. You know, the quadruple amputee that has climbed Mount Kilimanjaro without the aid of prosthetics. Oprah Winfrey called Kyle one of the most inspiring young men you will ever hear about. And I, Nick Lapara, butchered his freaking name. In the podcast, I said Kyle Menard, and it's clearly Kyle Maynard. I know that, I knew that then, 
but I was so into the conversation, somewhere in my brain, I went to Kyle Menard. So I'm mainly apologizing because Kyle is also a mixed martial arts athlete and I don't want him to come beat me up. Okay, back to wrapping up the show. To find out more information about this podcast conversation and all Let's Give a Damn podcast conversations, go to podcast.letsgiveadamn.com. A special thank you to you for listening to the show. There are so many other things you could be listening to and doing, but you chose to listen to this podcast today. I'm very grateful from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. So keep listening. Keep telling your friends. If you have energy left after listening to this podcast, consider leaving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and consider shooting a few dollars our way each month to support the production and execution of this show by visiting patreon.com slash let's give a damn. This podcast episode was edited and produced by the incredible Chad Snavely. The music is by our brilliant friend Propaganda. Same day, same time next week. I love you all so much. Peace. Peace.